Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand, when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi there, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake-life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time and put our memories into a podcast you can listen to at home. We're going to get all our special guest friends like Sarah Chalk, John C. McGinley, Neil Flynn, Judy Reyes. Show creator Bill Lawrence, editors, writers, and even prop masters will tell us about what inspired the series and how we became a family. You can listen to the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Happy September to all of you who are listening to this podcast called 100 Words or Less, which if you take it in the most literal sense of the term, it's a very short podcast and we're done. (laughs) But that is not the case. We are sitting down with people who are purveyors of independent music, whether that's creating it, documenting it, composing it, releasing it in some capacity. And Aaron Harris is on the show today. It's a big one for me personally. Aaron Harris is the drummer for the band ISIS, who uh, you know is clearly not the terrorist organization that exists, uh, which we actually talk about in the uh, interview because... Uh, yeah, it's been, you know, I like I own a lot of like ISIS band merch and like I have, you know, tour posters up around my house. And, uh, you know, it kind of means a different thing now where people look at it and they're like, well, what, what is that if they're not familiar with the band? And then I kind of have to be like, well, there's this band and it existed way before the terrorist organization, blah, blah, blah. So, but anyways, Aaron Harris was a great, great guest, great discussion. And I'll, I'll tell you more about that in a moment. But what I need to tell you about is band merch, right? 
the beautiful, beautiful people at Rockabilia are extending a 15% off discount if you use the code PCJabberJaw, which you should because you need band merch. You need, you know, the, the winter is coming, right? Like we're, we're, we're getting past summer. It's autumnal and you need long sleeves. You need sweaters. You need sweatshirts. All of that stuff they have in spades. I love this company so much and uh, it should be basically the only place you're buying man, band merch if you're not clearly buying at the show. So please, PC Jabberjaw, 15% off. You will enjoy it. Fast shipping. It's co-owned by a hardcore kid. I, I, I use a lot of the same talking points because uh, it's really meaningful to me, this, this small business that has existed for, gosh, I think it's like 20 plus years. It's been a long time, but Rockabilly is the real deal. I can't endorse them enough. And thank you for the continued partnership of this show. What has been happening personally for me I am, uh, my kids going back to school causes a lot of nerves. He's been dealing with a lot of, uh, you know, I've spoken about this before, a lot of anxiety, fear growing up. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard. Like I realized that, uh, I mean, you know, this is not going to sound, uh, revolutionary as far as the train of thought is concerned, but you know, being a parent's hard, you have no idea what you're doing and you're trying to do your best to give this little human, you know, some, some tidbits of advice as they go throughout life. And like, you know, when you lose at a board game, when you're seven years old, like it's tough to accept that because you just look at everybody else and they're winning and having fun. And you're like, but I want to win. I'm competitive. And, uh, yeah, it's a hard thing. But, uh, the, the positive things from all of that is the fact that I don't have any concern about my little guy not being passionate because holy moly, he is passionate. (laughs) But uh, yeah, and then what else What else has been happening? Well, my wife just celebrated her birthday. Shout out to her. She's doing well health-wise. Thank you for your continued support and asking about her. And uh, for those of you that want to uh, correspond with me on that, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. I always love hearing from all of you in regards to either guest ideas, um, you know, mailbag questions, which I realize I, I promised that a while ago, and I've just uh, failed miserably at that. But uh, I promise in October, I will be doing a mailbag episode. Okay. I promise because you, you've asked some great questions and if you have more, please submit them. So Aaron Harris, like I said, uh, we got connected via mutual friend. I went over to his house. I hung out with him one evening and it was, uh, awesome. Like it, it's, I really, really am thankful for this opportunity and this podcast to be able to hang out with people and kind of get to know them better get to know them at all. And this is exactly the sort of instance in which like, you know, now Aaron and I text and we're total, why would I total bros <laughs> makes it sound like we're like super old friends. We're, we're friends for like a month, but, uh, I, I just like the, uh, ability to be able to, uh, you know, kind of force myself into these people's lives and, uh, ultimately have them be like, Oh yeah, like, yeah, raise a cool guy. Like this is, this is a, this is a good discussion and, uh, you know, we can kind of chop it up in the future. Uh, but that's not to say that I do this podcast to make friends with some people who I respect, (laughs) which I realize that's what it sounded like. But anyways, putting that aside, uh, Aaron was a great chat and he was uh, excited about it. And I was excited that he was excited because it's, um, you know, sometimes it's difficult when, and I've spoken about this before, when you get a person in the middle of a press cycle or whatever, and this is, you know, an interview is kind of an obligation in a way. And so, yeah, I, I'm glad when people want to open up about stuff because, you know, Aaron dropped knowledge on me in regards to uh, the band's history as far as like the decisions they made and some other crazy stuff. If you are a fan of ISIS and, uh, you know, followed their career, uh, Aaron, Aaron revealed some stuff in here that I was like, wow, I did not know that. And that's that's incredible. So 
That is that. Thank you very much, Aaron. And uh, here is the discussion. So I like just straight up obsessed with ISIS. Like I think I saw, like I was actually trying to recall how many times I saw you guys and I'm no exaggeration, probably like 30 or 40 times across the country. Like, wow. cause I, I toured in a hardcore band and like, we just like happened to be in the same town sometimes. And it was just like, Oh, we had a night off. Like, of course I'll see you guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was, uh, and I saw like, you know, almost every iteration of the band as far as like, I mean, I saw you from like mosquito control onward until like watching the evolution of it. Um, but the, even from like the earliest times that I saw you guys, it always felt, um, so deliberate, <laughs> like <laughs> just in the way, like not, not only the presentation and aesthetics, but you know, musically like, and I'm not saying that other bands are like just sheer happenstance and accident. And you guys are like this well thought out, like crafted plan, yeah. but it always felt very deliberate and thoughtful. Yeah. Uh, would, is that accurate? <laughs> would you, would you, would you call that an accurate representation of, uh, ISIS? Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, especially in the later part of our career. I mean, it was our full-time jobs at a certain point. Sure. And we really looked at it and, and treated it that way. And even, even before then it was like a, you know, it started off as something fun to do and something kind of on the side and then it evolved into something that like actually was building some steam and sure. potential and seemed like it might actually go somewhere and that was something that none of us had really experienced up until that point so when it did seem like hey this might actually be something we can do yeah <laughs> beyond you know uh yeah just dicking around with friends or whatever 100 yeah. miles from where we lived sure um yeah i think i think collectively there were some pretty intense personalities and everybody in ISIS had a very um, focused and deliberate vision for the band and their role in it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, it was, you know, and it, it was fun too. It wasn't just, it wasn't all business all the time. Right. Of but, course. But yeah, like as, in terms of what we were presenting, we did, try to take it very seriously and try to offer something special with it, you know, from the music all the way up to the, the product you held in your hand, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely, I, I, I think, I mean, for many reasons, you know, that I, I followed what you guys did, but one of them, it definitely felt like regardless of, you know, whatever, seeing you at the, um, you know, I saw you in cave in at like, you know, the PCH club in Wilmington, you know, like, and I want to say, <laughs> I can't even, yeah, it's like, so, and, you know, all the way from that to, you know, whatever, the knitting factory here in LA, like, you know, so many different venues, um, but it was, it always seemed very um, consistent from that perspective where it was like, yes, musically you evolved and like you said, you yeah. were adults now as far as like, you know, later in your career where you're just like, oh yeah, like we're now like a full-time band, whatever that means or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it always seemed like that, that the consistency of, you know, the live performance, like, you know, that, that didn't really change. You got better, but it didn't, I guess the uh, intentionality didn't change too much. Yeah. We, you know, I remember talking to friends or just other people who played in bands and it seemed like we, we tend, we, we had a much more regimented 
routine mm-hmm. in, in, in terms of our uh, practicing schedule and how we approached it. And, um, you know, thinking back on, on ISIS and like the evolution of the band over the years, I feel like that attitude was helpful in a lot of ways, but I feel like it also might have contributed to our demise. You know, like it was a very, um, it was a lot of work. Sure. And, and, and we put a lot of work into it and we, we never, we never like indulged much, you know, like with things like techs or buses or. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. would have made you. Would yeah. have alleviated a lot of the pressure this, that we were all under in the later part of the, the band. And I sure. mean, it wasn't like we were doing something like extreme, but, but, you know, keeping a, a pretty like intense touring schedule where you're doing the driving, the loading in, the sound checking, the playing, the breaking down, the loading out, yep. the driving to the next show, like literally doing the, all of that yep. ourselves. Um, and, you know, we didn't have a manager. We didn't have, we had the, the very bare essentials and we really tried to take on as much as we could, you know, and keep yeah. it in-house as much as we could. And that was great, but also I think um, I think we probably could have, you know, outsourced a bit and got some help and maybe sure. made, made it a little, little bit easier. easier yeah, yeah. That might have contributed to a longer career, but at the same time, I'm. These are all things I've just thought about. Yeah, in, in retrospect, in retrospect, right. but I'm also happy with the the traje- trajectory of the band and, and, sure. and where we did end and, and what we accomplished and. It was never something I wanted to push beyond, or any of us wanted to push beyond a a point where it seemed like uh, things were going the other way, like you know, going down, going down. Sure, (laughs) absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and and to your point too, it was definitely you know that that was still the era of you know bands within the you know independent metal and hardcore community where it was like you know managers and booking agents and all these things like they were getting more prevalent and common, but it was still kind of like, this is a weird, like this is a new thing, you know, it's like early two thousands, definitely like, you know, whatever a metal or hardcore band, like having a manager was still kind of like, Oh, Oh wow. Like that's, that's different. Like that's, you know, that's weird. Like that's not common. Whereas like, you know, if you were in a band now and like, you know, you have a three song demo and you're, you of course have a manager and a booking agent. It's kind of flipped that way. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in producing bands, I, I come across a lot of bands that, want to do records before they have uh any plan for one you know or really haven't even played a show or right. done any sort of groundwork to warrant a, a, a record <laughs> a, a record right a release yeah, yeah yeah and it's not it was not my job to to tell them sure hey i think this is a bad idea right yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe you should play some shows and get some <laughs> right. some fans that might want to buy this record but yeah but it's yeah it's funny how things have changed and um and, uh, it was, yeah. And, and, and in finding a, a manager, it was tough to like think about handing over that responsibility that we had had all the, all those years totally. to someone that we just kind of were like, well, I hope they get what we're doing because you know, you're, yeah, the band is you very unique. Like it's yeah. definitely not a plug and play where it's like, oh yeah, like cool. We'll put these guys on Ozfest, Like, yeah. No. The genre was, you know, pretty specific and Yeah. Yeah, it was it just was a, more about like not yeah, not really finding someone who 
fit the bill. Sure. For, you know, the yeah. way that maybe it was just, maybe we're just control freaks. I don't know. But Well, I, I mean, to, <laughs> well, to, to your point, it's like you definitely, you know, each member of the band, like you said, had their roles and had their contributions. Yeah. And I think that that's how good bands are able to last as long as you guys had for as much of, you know, the external stress of all of what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not like you were just touring the States. You were going to Australia a couple times a year and going to Europe a couple times yeah. a year. But like, when you have all of your kind of, you know, uh, your, your boxes checked where it's like, okay, you know, Aaron's a visual guy and like, you know, whatever you, you know, the, the, here's the merch guy and here's yeah. like, everybody has their role. Yeah. Then you're kind of like, well, who, what, what's the manager really going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So it was like, we, we had it, we had it rolling and we had it, um, yeah. a good thing going. So it was just sure. like, let's just keep doing this. And then, yeah, it, it got bigger and bigger and, and became harder and harder to keep up sure it becomes unmanageable at a certain point yeah yeah um you and so kind of you know narrowing the focus more specifically on you um where were you born and raised i had i I have no idea i was born and raised in maine oh okay yep uh i moved there uh, sorry i moved from maine to boston in 96 okay when i graduated high school got it so you went to college in boston or you were just moving to boston i went there to play music got Um, it i (laughs) I was playing in a band throughout, well, through my senior year okay, and junior year, junior and senior year in a band called Loga, L-O-G-A. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was me and two guys from my high school, but the two guys, the other two guys in the band were a year ahead of me. Sure. So they had gone to uh, art school, to mm-hmm. Mass College of Art in Boston. Oh, okay. Sure. And I was still in Maine in high school. Just hanging out. Yeah, yeah. I'm a and, senior. Yeah. And they were booking <laughs> shows for us in Boston. And I would go to Boston on the weekends and play shows. Right. And um, it's funny. Like, I would go play a show in a bar uh, when I was 17. Sure. And they would kind of be like, you can come in and play the show. But and then you got to leave. Gotta right. Go. And I would just go sit in the band. <laughs> So you're like, well, I, I so, played Boston. Yeah. Just- and there was a, the occasional show where I could, like they weren't, they were pretty lax and like, sure. I did do, you know, some underage drinking and sure. And sure. Thing and, right. Right. <laughs> but there were definitely shows where I would came down from high school and on my weekend and, and sat in a van and played and went back and sat in a van <laughs> yeah. and went back to Maine. And, and then, uh, you know, the, the, that band had gained a little bit of traction and, and mm-hmm. seemed like things were Click worth in. pursuing. Sure. So I, I moved down I moved down to Boston and I got a job at Newberry Comics. Of course. Legendary. Yep. Still there. Yep. 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 It's great. I mean, perfect place for a musician to work. Absolutely. Uh, they were super supportive of, of musicians and of touring musicians and um, really, really su- great supportive place for people in arts. Totally. To work. And I got really lucky. And... Um, uh, that's where I met the other ISIS guys. Um, sure. As you were that, gigging around, yeah, right, I was right. playing that Loga band and I met, uh, Jeff and Mike and Cliff. I had known Cliff from Loga. I had known him. The longest? I'd known him from my high school days. Oh, okay. I met him. We played with his old band when I was still in high school. Got it. And then, um, yeah, I met, let's see, I met Jeff, mm-hmm. Mike and Aaron would come drop off records. Sure. From, Hydrahead. Hydrahead, right, right. So I knew of him. So you drop him off on like consignment at like yeah. New- 
I remember answering the door, and this guy with dreads and all these piercings and stuff would be there. He'd be like, hey, I'm here to drop off some records. Right, right. That's my Aaron impression. Yeah, that's a good, great. My Aaron Turner impression. I love it. Uh, and, and, and for the longest time, uh, I kind of thought he was a dick. Sure. You know, well, like, he, he, he has that, the, he has the air of like, sorry, Aaron, I don't, yeah, no, no. <laughs> and, and this is me. Like I am not friends with him at all, but like just, just my, in having many mutual friends, like he has the air of just like, I don't care, but he, he really cares. Like he if, really you, cares. if you talk to him, he's the nicest guy. Totally. And has the biggest heart. And, totally. And, um, super sensitive. Sure. But, in meeting him for the first time, first few times, I, I, he was so dry. And I was just like, Does this guy like me at all? This guy likes me. <laughs> and then I talked to Jeff and he's like, oh, that's my roommate, Aaron. Yeah, we're, we're starting a band. Got and, it. And, um, and uh, they were like, we're looking for a drummer. And I mean, I'm sorry, we're looking for a drummer. And, mm-hmm. this is, you know, we, these are the influences that we, that we like. And, and um, they were a little more intertwined into the hardcore scene because sure. Aaron had the label and, and Jeff course. came from cable and mm-hmm. he, it was sort of a new scene to me. I was, I, I hadn't really, um, I hadn't really like had much experience or exposure to that scene. Sure. And, um, I had heard neurosis, but I'd heard neurosis, but, uh, I think the, the records I had heard were the early, like it's punk. Oh, sure. The punk ones. Yeah. 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 Word is law and stuff like that. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, they were like, we like, we really like neurosis and Godflesh. And I was like, Oh, I know Godflesh, but neurosis. Yeah. They're they're punk band. What do you like about them? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Well, okay. Right. And then, uh, they were like, no, no, no. Check out these records. Sure. And I was like, I was super into the AMREP scene. And sure. Well, I mean, it sounds like, yeah, you cut, you, you, you were jumping ahead to what I was going to mention where it's like, it sounds like you cut your teeth, obviously on Melvin's AMREP, like all of those yeah. sort of like, you know, insane, like those sort totally, of bands totally. and that. Yeah. And, and so I was into like, yeah, AMREP and touch and go and those sure. were like my favorite labels. And I knew that stuff really well, but they were like, check out this, check out, check out dead guy, check out. Sure. Uh, uh, you know all this, all, you know all of Aaron's late, uh, bands. Totally, all this stuff. I was like, wow, what is this? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, I kind of get the, the style of the drumming they're after, right? But I'm also going to do my thing, and yeah, the styles just worked well. And mm-hmm. I mean, the early stuff, we definitely wore our influences on our sleeve. But I, I mean, as everybody every band does, does of you course, know, it's like you start somewhere. And you start with what you know and your influences, you know? Totally. Yeah. And if you actually sound like your influences, that's pretty good. Like, cause usually, you know, like you're like, okay, I want to sound like, you know, unbroken meets strife when you're like 15 <laughs> years old. And then you sound like some horrific punk band and you're like, yeah. Oh, 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 I see. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't sound like no, that at all. No. But like, yeah, but there's, <laughs> but there's the, the, you know, the, there's shades of, what you guys did from, you know, demo and mosquito control and on like that still existed in the band, you know, some 10 years later, like yeah. it wasn't like this, you know, this continual departure, Yeah, uh, like every record you changed, but it wasn't like, you know, I mean, many people would, you know, call certain shifts. Like, you know, it's like ISIS is unrecognizable, but it's just like, well, you're only paying attention to like <laughs> a small version of what yeah. they were or whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. We, we had a common thread, but we all had, um, pretty diverse music tastes and yeah and gelling that all together somehow worked sure you know that's the crazy part about starting a band that 
that that's the element that you can't describe to somebody mm. when they ask you like do you have any advice for me i'm you know i'm starting a band you've obviously like gotten somewhere right. can you give me some advice and i i would always try to tell them like hey just work hard play do your thing right don't worry about getting successful like lay the groundwork first sure but there's also that element that you can't describe where you actually have to find people that you can like play chem- with. And totally. That's like an element that's one in a million and it's really just uh, a matter of chance. Yeah, it totally is. You like, know? yeah, there's definitely no uh, blueprint that you can give. It's like usually when you find one or two people that you are yeah. like creatively bonded with. Yeah. That's great. That's amazing. If you find four others, you're just yeah. like, Oh my gosh. Like, and, and they want to dedicate that time. Yeah. And have the ability to put the time in and the schedule and yeah. the, the lifestyle. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the part that you just have to luck out. Right. You figure, yeah, you should <laughs> literally luck out. Totally. Uh, and it was, it was always drums for you. Like drums were, the focal like you, you didn't mess around with the guitar first and I, then i did i no not in the not in any bands i always sure, had sure. them laying around and would mess around and you know whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I i never um i never like had aspirations of playing guitar in a band or anything right it was always <laughs> drums yeah it was yeah, drums. Yeah. yeah and w- you know as you're uh, as you started to you know matriculate through high school and start to develop your identity and stuff like that and you you know you were into all of those bands that you were talking about before, um, you know, I presume like, how'd your parents react to that sort of stuff? Or was it like, Oh, our son Aaron's into some really weird stuff or like, you know, were they <laughs> clearly, I mean, parents have to be supportive over drums. Like, yeah. cause there's no like mistaking, <laughs> you're like well, you're set up a bunch of stuff and like, yeah, it's loud. It's, 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 it's an instrument. No, I'm pretty sure no parent wants their kids to no. play. Like it's just <laughs> so much. It's like, <laughs> what could you do to, just annoy the shit out of your parents. You totally. know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'll play some drums. You totally. Know, like, do, you, I, do you have a room I could use? Yeah, or I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> my. But I, I lucked out because my my dad played drums and got it. When I was in my high school years, he and his buddies decided they wanted to resurrect their band. Oh, that's and amazing! So, yeah, so he went out and bought a drum kit. That's great. He just set it up in the basement, and I don't know if I've ever talked about this in another interview but when the only times i would play mm-hmm. were on thursdays when my mom went to go get groceries so you had like a 45 minute window i would put on a, a record <laughs> sure and i would go down in the basement and i would try to learn it and that's how i learned how to play drums wow yeah and just mimicking just trying to play along to right nirvana or like red hot chili peppers or sure like, you know records that I mean, I was in Maine. There was there was a limited exposure to of course cool music. you weren't the cultural but hub, I, right? Yeah, <laughs> but I, in in the early nineties, the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really really small, like man, that parking space it's always taken, and I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of you know this person that maybe you know is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. 
And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like, the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. You know, inescapable yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like what i could get my hands on that was like anything that had like a, a good a good drummer a good groove to it or like mm-hmm. anything i could yeah like my dad had a really good um like 70s rock collection oh nice vinyl and some cassettes and i would listen to bachman turner overdrive or like sure uh you know blue oyster cold lots of zeppelin of course sure pink floyd that's you cool know, you know just trying to mimic those things. And I guess just in my DNA, I had some sort of natural ability to play because, um, I never took a lesson. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You were, just, you were just getting behind the kit and, and figuring it out just on your own. Out, yeah, yeah. That's cool. In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date in the hallowed library of Hulu, or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions. Hi, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. In 2001, we starred in Scrubs, a sitcom that revealed a glimpse of what it was like to survive a medical internship. As Turk and JD, we explored guy love. Nearly 20 years later, a lot has changed. We're not supermen, but we're still best friends. Eh. Given the mandatory lockdown, there's no better time to relive the series that brought us together in the first place. And we're doing it with a podcast. That's right, people. We're going to bring friends and crew members and fellow cast members and writers. And and guess what? We're going to even invite some of you 
to call into the podcast and ask all the questions you want of the entire Sacred Heart staff. Join us for Fake Doctors, Real Friends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And you're, uh, but it's cool too that you're dead, like, because usually kids look at what their parents do and are just like, yo, I don't want to do anything of that. Right. (laughs) And so like, so it, it sounds like your dad did not like push you to play drums, but it was just like, it's there if you want it. Like, yeah, it okay. was there, and and they never were like you. You should you should try playing drums. It was more like me going, oh, I want to play drums. Yeah, you know, and, and I was always really athletic, which no one in my family ever was athletic. So I guess I just had this uh, curiosity, curiosity about it. To yeah, like yeah, it was you know it's a physical thing, and it's sure it's uh, musical, and, and right. kind of scratch, scratched a couple itches for me. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> What was your uh, what was your sport of choice, or did you play them all? Man, my sport of choice in high school, I really liked lacrosse. Okay, um, because it was like I loved track and I loved football, and and lacrosse was kind of like a combination of, of those. the two. Sure. And this is this is I've never talked about this either, but I <laughs> I only played for about six months because I remember going to some games and some of the kids on my team were just fucking straight up racist. Oh, it would be like, let's get that. Yeah. Dark skinned kid on the other team, you know? And I was like, what, what, what the, the hell? hell yeah. On? Right. And I was even, even that young and in, in that rural of a place, I had the common sense to like, know. Like, I mean, that's, I had a yeah, good upbringing and stuff too, but of like, course, right. But like, I was like, no, that's, that's not cool. Yeah. I don't want to be a part of this. Right. And so I quit and, um, and it sucks because I really liked it, but I was like, I don't want to play with these guys. This yeah, the crazy. environment in yeah. which you were. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, so. Um, but fo- you, you say football, that would be the last. Like, you're not a, like, you, you, I mean, I would look at you, your body type, and I would be like, okay, maybe you're playing like a wide receiver. I would or play receiver. Or okay, end, I was going to say. But like. <laughs> you, could, well, you probably got knocked Maine, around pretty good. Those kids were like brick shit houses, you know, and they were just killing me. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I was like, I can't do this. You're like, I catch the ball, but I'm just getting knocked they were just 20 yards. Yeah, I was skinny, and they were like, let's kill that kid. <laughs> sure. He's kind of weird. and he's <laughs> Right, totally, he's totally. To level him, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I got into track, and I would try to do whatever I could in track, and, sure. and I loved that. And, and then I got into cycling, but there's no there's no cycling in, in Maine. No. So that was just kind of a... Yeah, a hobby that you could yeah. just like do on your own, but yeah. like there's no community that you yeah. can join. <laughs> so that, yeah, got it, got it. And you, you always uh, like was there? You, so you 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 basically you moved to Boston. You didn't have any visions to like go to college or anything like that. It was basically that you want to pursue music. Or I told myself and I told my parents that I was going to give it a year, sure, and see what happened. But in the bet, that was a lie. Right, that was, that was straight a up bald faced lie. lie. <laughs> yeah, that was a fucking lie. I was like, <laughs> Yeah. I knew I wasn't going go to go to buy yourself some time. You're yeah. just like, listen, I, 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 pro- I promise I'll go to school. Quote I'm going to give it a year and see what happens. And, yeah. And, and two years later it was like still, yeah. Still doing yeah, <laughs> stupid band stuff in their yeah, eyes. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it, I don't know what that was about. I, I, maybe it was just a fear of not knowing where to commit myself. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was crazy that I had to like think of, what I wanted to do with my life yeah, for the rest of your, right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. Right. I'm, yeah, not, I'm a child. I like, need to pick something. <laughs> can, can I have a minute? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think I'll try to figure some stuff out first. Sure. But I, you know, I, I do wish I had gone to college, not because of 
the degree or anything, but I, having the experience of college, sure, I, I missed out on. But I also had a lot of other amazing experiences. So I, yeah, I, it's like you you want what you. Oh, yeah, the grass the grass is always greener on the yeah. other side, and everyone is like, yeah, every if you don't have the experience, you're just you're always in the backyard. You're just like, oh, I wonder what that would have been like. Yeah, I yeah, it's yeah, it's something I when people do talk about their college experiences, I'm like, oh, I never. Yeah, I got to do that. Right, I didn't live in a dorm. Yeah, it's like I, I, I lived in a I lived in a rolling <laughs> dorm. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um, so the I'm sure this is I mean this is a stereotype that gets uh you know perpetuated constantly where you know like no one recognizes the drummer like the drummer is always obviously behind a kit yeah it doesn't matter how popular the band is like no one no one recognizes the drummer. I was fine drummer. with that though. Right, and I was going to say Look that at this posture. I, right. didn't, I didn't get this from. <laughs> <laughs> from sticking my chest out. You'd be like, hey, look at me. I, I, yeah. I, I'm i pretty cool over here. No, I would I would hide purposely sure. behind the drums, and that was perfect for me because I was like, I want to play, but I don't want to I don't want to be the focal point for... Totally. I'm not sucking any air out of any rooms. No, like, <laughs> I would set my cymbals up and drums up as high as I could just for that reason. Sure. So I hide behind <laughs> Sure. <laughs> and that, I mean, that, like, you're a personable guy, but yeah, you don't strike me as the person that, you know, is the, the party animal kicking the door in being no. like, everybody pay attention to me. No, no, I'm pretty reserved. And that's, that's kind of always been who you, like, that's been pretty consistent or did you ever dabble? So. Did you ever dabble in the, uh, being the loud guy in the room? <laughs> well, I mean, everybody gets a little wild when they've had some drinks, but like, sure. even then I don't think I, my bandmates, bandmates might have some stories, but like, yeah, I think even like you might have a couple stories where like Aaron got crazy, you know, like, sure. But we didn't see that side of him ever. Know, it was yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty, pretty chill, pretty quiet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, my, my favorite thing is my wife when we were like going out to dinner or like uh-huh. meeting some new people she always says to me you're gonna talk right like you're gonna you'll talk yeah you, you promise me you'll, you'll contribute you'll, right you'll contribute to the conversation or at least try <laughs> <laughs> and it's not because i don't have anything to say it's just i um it's not your natural inclination yeah i just yeah i don't project very well and i sure uh I, I I like to hear what people have to say and, and you're a good listener. Yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> but that, that always I'm giving you adjectives you can use with your wife there later. You She's yeah. like, you know, I, I've been told I'm a good listener. I'm a good listener. <laughs> what do you think, honey? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, like, you know, the the notion of like you know giving music a chance, like in Boston, and obviously moving down there, and then you know doing doing the the, the band, and then obviously joining ISIS. Um, you know, like the notion of like being in a full-time band and like, you know, making a living off of it, like that seems so far fetched. Yeah. And I'm sure as you were doing, it was just like, I I don't, I want to play music and whatever that means. Like it wasn't even a thought right in in any of our heads. And I think that's a a big reason why it worked because, because if you go into something, this is just my belief, but if you go into something and you have these, I mean, it's have the aspirations, but if you've set, these things in place where these you need to reach this goal or this needs to happen or like if we were focused on making a living out of the band or make you know making money specifically uh then that to me it it just kind of distorts what you're trying to do Mm -hmm. i mean making money from art is amazing especially nowadays but when you i think when you put that combine the two in your mind uh 
for me, it doesn't work. I mean, I need to think about what I'm doing purely from a musical standpoint mm-hmm. and, and not think about what is what are people going to think and is this going to sell and am I going to make money off of it? Sure. And, um, yeah, I think, I think just staying focused to the music and, and I don't know if it was being selfish, but mm-hmm. just doing what we wanted to do and hoping that people liked it. And I think that's a bit of why it worked. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I try to tell young musicians that too, like don't, don't go into this with the expectation to make, you know, a living at it because yeah, just try to get, try to get yourself a sound and, and, and put in the work good songs and, yeah, yeah. and, and, um, first because, uh, I think setting the bar too high right off the bat is setting yourself up for failure. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's, it's the path to success from that perspective, like is, is it's much, it's much more fraught with, uh, peril because you are, like you said, setting yourself up for these, these, these things that no one can predict, you know? Yeah. Sometimes things take five years. Sometimes things take 10 years. And frustration sets in and and you've lost your perspective and yeah, have aspirations and have goals, but of course, but like don't harp on them. Totally. If it's not going as fast as you'd like it to go or like, right. You just can't focus on that. In my opinion. I mean, there, I'm sure it works great the other way for some people, but just for me, that's, that was my approach. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, just for me. The, um, the, and so like as, you know, as you guys started to, you know, go out there and tour, um, you know, from the ISIS perspective and you started to recognize that people, it's like, oh, wow, people are showing up to the shows and like we're seeing to get a following on the East Coast and we go out to the West Coast and there's people that are at the shows. Yeah. Um, as the, the business stuff started to become more prevalent, um, you yourself, like, did, you know, was it one of those things that you were trying to not take an active role? I mean, like you would take an active role as like making decisions and stuff like that. But, um, how did you feel with that? Like, did you really do your best to kind of separate like, all right, that's the commerce side of things. Like there are other members of the band that handle that much better than I do. Uh, or how did you kind of work your, work that? Well, it became, it, once it did become our jobs mm-hmm. and, and our living, it did become a necessity sure. in, in considering, considering how we were going to do things, you know? Sure. And, uh, one thing that we did, which I think was really smart was, was budgeting tours, you know, like, um, here's what we're going to do. Here's what it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. Here's what we stand to make from it. Does sure. this make sense? It makes sense. Let's do it. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, being, being, um, being like careful of things like, uh, days off are, are always well yeah, su- needed, yeah. but sure. they're money suckers. Yeah. They suck the money <laughs> up so fast. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we were really like, um, we were really good about stuff. Like we, we would like, um, you know, share hotel rooms and, Mm -hmm. um, try not to, I mean, we, we did like try to like treat ourselves here and there, but like a bus would have been great. Totally. Yeah. Many times. Right. (laughs) But it was, you know, it was like, what are we going to enjoy a bus for a month and then come home with no money? That's crazy. Why would we do that? Yeah, exactly. And it's a I, pretty short-sighted vision. Right? Yeah, and I knew friends and bands that were doing that, and I was like, why would you... Who's making the decisions here? Mm-hmm. And they would be like, wait, you make money from tour? 
and it was like, wait, you don't? Wait, you don't? <laughs> yeah, what do you, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Right. You know? Um, I don't know. It's crazy to me. Yeah. So, I mean, it, se- it seemed very, uh, I-, I guess the way that you, you, you worked on the business side of things is that I'm sure it was basically just like stuff came up. You guys talked about it at practice and like everybody kind of, you know, weighed in and yeah. Yeah. It was a group decision. I mean, it was always very like diplomatic. Sure. And it was, which also got complicated. Sure. You know, because you do have five perspectives mm-hmm. at any given time. Right. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's three versus two. Sometimes yeah, it's yeah. one versus four. Right. But there were many things that I wanted to do that got, you know, I got outvoted and I just had to be okay with that. Sure. You know, sure. It's, it's like, well, I have to understand that these guys aren't comfortable with it and, and mm-hmm. that's that. Right. Right. Can you think of a random example like that? Like, cause I just always, and not, not like I trying to air dirty laundry or anything like that, but I just always, I find those experiences very yeah. reflective where it's just like, Oh, like uh, not putting words in your mouth, but like, Oh, we got offered to do a song for like a video game or something. And we said we, no or whatever. Yeah. W- there was two, there's two things. Well, there's a few that come to mind, but there's sure. two that we didn't do that I thought were dumb. And sure. One of them, Hey, get down. <laughs> just say it hot. <laughs> uh, one of them was, we got offered a tour with Slipknot and we oh. turned it down. What year was that then? That was, I want to say that was, pre-Wavering Radiant. Wow. Between Panopticon and Wavering Radiant. So it would have been... Sure. It would have been a pretty big tour for us. Absolutely. Potentially. You know, I think we probably could have won over a good majority of the crowd each night. Sure. But we had always done things on our terms and set up our own bills, and we were, like, very used to that. And the idea of... I think the idea of going out and opening for a band that we might get booed uh, was scary to some people, of course, you know, and I totally understand that. And also totally. like the association. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But cause I mean, people, uh, uh, by that time too, you had a very distinct, uh, not only fan base and people that support you. And like, there's that, there's that political ramification yeah. of people being like, the hell's ISIS touring with Slipknot for? Well, we had built yeah. such a reputation yeah. for ourselves and our art. And it was kind of like, is it worth it to do this? Yeah, you know? sure. Because we didn't, we were, we were, uh, you know, afraid fans would be like, yeah, this what are you guys a, doing? Are these posers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, because we, it, it, but it's funny not to interrupt your train of thought, but like if, you know, ISIS existed in 2018 and like you were around that same time and like pe- people would not even bat an eye now. Yeah. People would be like, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, maybe that's being like a bit um, narcissistic, but that's just the way we felt at the time. Like, who knows if anybody would have even given a shit, you know? Like, no, no. Yeah. 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 You have no, you have no idea, no idea, but, but yeah. that was a consideration for us. So we ended sure. up turning it down. Sure. And then the other thing was, um, we got offered a tour in Canada opening for Pearl Jam, <laughs> which is completely on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. And we were like, that's just too weird. I don't know. Yeah. Like, how, where do we even sit on that? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Like I guess the bass player, is a really big fan. Okay. And, um, they asked us to open and we turned it down and I was like, I think that's really dumb, but whatever sure. you guys want to do. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like, but that, I mean, yeah, the, both of those instances definitely, um, you know, you, cause you guys, because of all the choices that you made and like all of the things that you did from, you know, musically, visually, all the choices you made as far as tours are concerned, that opens you up to all those opportunities because other bands see you where they're like, yeah, you know, not only is this band awesome musically, this band 
can sell tickets. Like you were, you were this weird unicorn of a lot of things <laughs> like coming together where it's like, wow, like these, these guys are like, you know, really true artists right. <laughs> and the fact that like we actually would enjoy seeing them every night. So it's like, it makes sense that those offers would kind of come. Because yeah. Yeah. It was, I don't know if it was being taken ourselves too seriously or, yeah. or, or what it's probably a sign. I mean, I, I would definitely put it as a, as a, just playing armchair quarterback here. It's definitely a sign of the times. Like yeah. that particular time it was At like that time. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, when bands toured together, it was like, Oh, those guys are down or like they consider themselves part of the same it's thing. Like a cosign. Now, yeah, nowadays yeah. really diverse bills are mm-hmm. the norm. Yep. You know, or not the norm, but they're way more. People uh, don't bat an eye at it. Yeah. 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 You so, could, you could, tomorrow you could wake up and get a tour offer to, to, you know, go out with like five finger death punch. Yeah. And I it would be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> like super diverse festivals. And yeah. Like, and we did play some of those too, you know, but like, sure. I don't know. I guess at the time we were just very like, we really put a lot of thought and, and, um, time into like assembling bills for tours that we thought were like really interesting totally and went well together and i think like our mindset we just couldn't like yeah just didn't you uh, could not tour with mogwai yeah (laughs) i saw i saw that show many times oh awesome yeah (laughs) yeah exactly but i i totally yeah i i completely get it from that perspective um we were careful about yeah like that of course of course yeah yeah, exactly the um the, the kind of going back to the you know the methodic idea i think one of the most um stark visuals i have of you guys like i went to that um when you performed at uh, the mocha in downtown oh yeah cool that was um that was so awesome for a myriad of reasons one of them being like the fact that it was just like a mixture of you know people who were there to see you guys yeah and then the people who were just like the hell is it like by like yeah it was either wandering by or obviously an art like installation is this an art performance art totally <laughs> and then people who would like you know are just like straight up museum patrons that were invited out to that and they were just watching this thing it was like and that i think that was when you guys first started to try out some of the songs that uh, eventually appeared on oceanic i think um on panopticon it was and Panopticon. First, that's right that's right yeah, the yeah, first yeah. time we'd ever played any of those songs i think that's we, right i think we actually played panopticon from start to finish if i remember yeah i can't i i definitely yeah i mean i remember i remember maybe it was just a few songs i don't i don't remember I th- hey. yeah i think it was definitely it was yeah. yeah probably like three to five songs if i remember correctly but I, I mean i remember that was the first time where it was just like uh you know like just hearing some of those songs was just like oh wow geez like this is this is crazy <laughs> it felt super rusty but it was like it was special Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER snakes Zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public... 
the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. To do it there and kind of like... Yeah. And that was when you could like do stuff like that, and, and nobody would record it and put it on the internet. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, like, I didn't think about it from that perspective, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was like you could still present things the way you wanted them to be presented. <laughs> right. Hey, hey, guys, we're going to try this out on you. And some fucking asshole wouldn't <laughs> put it up on it YouTube and be like, put it up to, here's the new single from ISIS. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go off their upcoming record. You're only going to hear a, uh, you know, like 75% done version of it. Yeah. <laughs> They're still going to add some more. This isn't how they intended it, but this is how I wanted to hear it. Um, it, but kind of, you know, I guess to that point, the, um, you kind of mentioned this earlier where the, you know, the discussions that you guys had, um, you know, in planning this stuff, uh, I, I presume some of them were, were pretty intense, like not using the mocha as an example, cause that's a pretty easy thing to say yes to. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the stuff like, you know, the, the turning down the tour offers, like did it, get, did it get intense or was it pretty like, okay, like, you know, I'll, I'll be, you know, I, I don't think this is right, but you know, I have already made my, my, my voice clear. Yeah. It never got like to, you know, like people yelling at each other. Or sure. Like, I'm going to quit the band or anything like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Throwing I in mean, ultimatums. Yeah. Right? I mean, we did, there were like arguments and things, but it was never like, if we don't do this, I'm quitting the band. Kind right. of thing. It was knock like, down drag out fights. Yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, it might've been like, uh, I think this is dumb. Sure. I, I think it's stupid not to do this, but if you right. guys don't want to do it, then we're not going to do it. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I, I am only one voice. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to respect that this is a, a five part thing sure. and, and, and I, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm only one voice, right? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, you have to respect your bandmates, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Jack O'Brien, co-founder of Crack.com, and I host a twice-daily news and culture podcast with the funniest person I know, Miles Gray. What an honor. Uh, it's what an true, honor. Please tell, Please tell them more about how hilarious I am. Don't tell them about my background in politics as a political operative or anything like that. Just keep going on about the funny. I wasn't going to. Okay, that's fine. Guys, you can come get caught up on what is happening without feeling the life drain out of your soul at the Daily Zeitgeist. You can find us on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are given away for free i guess you I don't guess. have to all the time yeah yes, but yeah. the um one one thing i found and i'm sure you guys uh you know found you probably had an evolution of opinion on this where basically you know people were just like the the neurosis sound where it was like the <laughs> yeah. you know people were were just pegging you guys obviously as neurosis ripoffs and totally you know through throughout the you know basically the entire band's career yeah um and i i presume maybe at the beginning it was offensive to you guys. And then towards the end, it was kind of like, I can't even believe people are saying this still. Or like, did you guys just always kind of like, we just don't like that. That's fine. You can towards say that. Towards the end, I thought we sounded so 
different. Yep. <laughs> I didn't even really like. Yeah, I mean, it, we got compared and, and described in so many different ways that I think by the end it was just like, unless it was something really offensive, like, right, <laughs> like new metal or something, you know, <laughs> totally. And it was just like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. And, and it was always hard to tell people what kind of band I was in, you know, like, sure, you meet someone on right. the street. It's like, what do you do? Playing a band. What kind of band? Yeah, ambient metal. Right. It's like a, <laughs> what? Uh, uh, what does that mean? Long songs and <laughs> screaming and yelling and it's heavy and yeah. then it gets quiet and pretty and right. I don't know. Yeah, just check it out if you feel like it. Right. <laughs> that was kind of my <laughs> great, my great, great elevator pitch. pitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> check out my band. We got a here's just a bunch of adjectives at you. You might like it. You might not. I don't know. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so as you, uh, you know, as you, as uh, ISIS started to wind down and you guys, you know, you started to tour less. And like you said, all the pressures of the road kind of came home to roost. Um, did you feel like you personally, uh, like, feel kind of a, a sense of panic for like the what's next sort of, you know, because you were, you know, Aaron, the drummer of ISIS, like that yeah. was the identity. Yeah. Um, you know, did you feel kind of that internally at all or were you kind of looking for, I, I'm sure it was a mixture of a lot of things, but you know, did th- that resonate with you at all? Yeah, both. I mean, at the time, I think everybody was kind of feeling like it was a good call, you know, sure. to, to, to wind things down. In retrospect, I think maybe we should have just taken a break and seen what happened. But like, yeah, at that point, I think everybody was like, let's let's call it. Sure. Let's let's. Well, you guys didn't see it's the Co- you didn't see the Coachella money coming in a little. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. But yes, yeah, we I should just... have taken a break. But like, also. I'm, I'm content with the way things of course. Down and, right. And, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, like we were talking earlier, I didn't go to college. I, I put all my eggs in one basket, you know, mm-hmm. and that was ISIS and, um, some of the other guys too. And, and, you know, we spent the critical years of our life touring around and playing music as yep. a lot of people do. And, um, you know, when something like that happens, um, that's the, that's the weird part of being in a band that a lot of people don't, see is the the part where um the behind the scenes where like when the band breaks up where sure, these people the come go, down totally know? totally you see them on stage you go see them you buy tickets and then one day it's like yeah i mean uh, i built this thing with those guys and then we we put an end to it and it was like whoa yeah and luckily i like you know, gotten into recording and producing and, mm-hmm. and, and kind of set myself up to go that direction. But like, you know, that's not a, that's a hard industry to get into, you know? Of course. And, and so, uh, yeah, there was definitely like a, a, a period of time where it was like, uh, felt wandering in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I need to focus some on something, but I'm not really sure. Yeah, where I'm aiming. <laughs> where to do what to focus on and sure. I had an idea, but it was um it was yeah, it was like it was a shock, a major shock. And I, mm-hmm. to the other guys too, I know in talking to them that it was like Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, mm, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we're not doing this thing anymore. Yeah. Like, that's cool for a week, but then we're like, okay, like, uh, yeah, you, you, because your, your mind is always then shifting to the, like, you know, what's the, what's the new, what's next? Like, what's, yeah. what's next? And then it's like, well, now that's on you. It's not on this collective entity. Yeah, I was 32 at the time. And, sure. And like, you know, not super young, not super old, kind of, of course. Little, and it's like, 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where am I pivoting? Got to got to do something. Yeah, yeah. You got to figure this out. Um, and the uh, something that was you know a very you know short and and sweet time I'm sure was the uh, you know the Palms record and like that. That was a, that was a, just as an outsider observing it, that was very interesting. I mean, it made logical sense of like the partnership with Chino and everything like that and how that all came together. The, um, for me, the weight of expectation kind of crushed that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I mean, I saw you guys, cause you guys played the observatory, I think yeah. in, in Orange County and I saw, I went to that show and it was one of those things where it was like, you know, it's the, the notion of like combining the best of both worlds where I was just like, pfft love Deftones, love Isis. Like, of course this is going to work. Right. And not saying that it didn't work because right. the record was cool, but it definitely like it was no Wasn't matter what you expected. Yeah, and it was like, yeah. You, and I'm sure in many respects, um, I mean, you guys are obviously proud of what you, uh, what you did and what you accomplished with the record, but, I'm sure my feeling wasn't, uh, I, I'm sure I wasn't the only person like expressing that towards you guys. No, right? I mean, you know, it's funny. I think Chino struggled with that the most. I can imagine. Because he was the one coming in with three of the guys from the band. So it was like, right. Are people going to see this as me? Tweak, like, did I ruin call? Did I write these songs? You know, like our, that's true. Gonna, like, yeah, yeah. Like, Chino came in and messed these guys up. <laughs> You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it, true. I didn't think about it from that perspective. You know, I think yeah. felt a lot of pressure uh, because he was like, he he was uh, he's a big fan of, of of ISIS and what we did, and he was like, yeah. I really want to do this, but also like, I think he was, um, I think he was, yeah. I mean, I know he was uh, concerned that fans were going to be like, this is not what I expected, you right? Know? Totally. Uh, it was heavy at times, but it also had a lot of melody and a lot of tons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what you might not expect. And we kind of went more of a Mogwai ish right ish route. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, it, luckily it, it did seem to like sit well with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also like what I said before, like we just kind of put our faith in what we were doing and we're just like, yeah, Hey, like, we think this is good, so totally, we're moving forward with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> totally. And uh, hopefully, people like it. But if they don't, uh, it's kind of like I'm not going to think about it too much. I'm just going to let it happen. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, it was concerned that, like, in the back of my mind, it was like, what if people? Because I, you know, this was our follow up to ISIS, and, sure, and it was like not follow up, but what we did. Yeah, the, mo- the, mo- the most public thing that you had yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, and and with someone who has a a pretty big following and, mm-hmm. and a big name, and um, and Ipecac got behind it, and so that that was reassuring. You know, it was like totally Ipecac likes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My friends like it. Like, I hope I, know, I hope all these people aren't just lying to me. Yeah, yeah, blowing smoke <laughs> out. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, but yeah, yeah. no, I I I I get that. Uh, that that weight that resides on people when you are you know doing something out of the ashes of something else yeah it's like that's there's always going to be that weight of expectation that people are going to either want or expect a certain thing and then if it's totally. even slightly slightly deviated from that then it's it you know it's like it's a letdown or like whatever when a director yeah. does a movie that you love and then they go on to do something else and you've you've set pretty high expectations yeah, yeah. for it and, right. and if it doesn't meet those you're like ah uh, right that's your fault though like stop. i mean that's <laughs> that, that's that and that is the us as consumers of art that is something that we have to 
grapple with and understand that it's like, well, yeah, like, you know, not everyone's going to throw a hundred mile per hour fastball all the time. Like maybe, you know, they just want to throw a cool curveball and you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's on you more so than the artist that's actually maybe creating the thing. Like give it a fucking minute and yeah. it in before you jump <laughs> to a conclusion so just, fast. Just, yeah, just, just, just a minute, just a minute, you know, <laughs> like, like maybe listen to it a couple times. Yeah. 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 Watch it again or, you know, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, is, things do evolve, especially to like, as you, and I'm sure you've had this experience many times where it's just like certain things impact you at different ages where it's yeah. just like certain people. And I, I think where it's like, uh, you know, like reflective of myself, like why I enjoyed you guys so much is because you like, I, I liked neurosis and I really like, you know, once I got like wrapped my head around times of grace, I was like, yeah. Oh, this record's amazing. Yeah, but it's yeah. like, it, you know, they, they were, they were still touring, but not as much as, as you guys were. So yeah. it was like, you guys felt like the contemporary band that I could touch that right. was like <laughs> in that genre, you know? Right, right. Um, but it's like, you know, if I were to, you know, put a 13 year old kid in front of like, you know, ISIS, like, you know, w- whatever iteration, uh, you know, oceanic or whatever, a 13 year old would be like, well, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. But then boring. you could, <laughs> right. But then you could play that when they're 19 and all of a sudden their head gets cracked. They open. might be like, yeah, okay. Right. This yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. You never know how yeah. that, that art will impact you at different ages. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and so then the, you know, the logical, uh, you know, next steps of what, I mean, we're sitting in your studio and obviously the, like you said, you, you've kind of focused on the, you know, production side of things. And then now, you know, you've been doing, uh, how long have you been doing basically the kind of, you know, scoring and, you know, music composition side of things from, you know, that perspective. Yeah. It's been about two years. Got it. Um, I was producing bands a lot and was liking it, but it wasn't totally like what I wanted to do mm-hmm. for, for a few different reasons. Um, did you have, like, did you own a studio from that perspective or like, were you kind of dipping I always into had pe- a situation like this. I had a, mi- a home mix setup. Got it. And then I would take bands to a few studios, live rooms and stuff. Yeah, yeah sure. Got depending it. on what their needs were. Sure. Um, and, and a lot of times it was, I would just mix records that had been recorded. Got it. You know, okay. and I still do that. But, sure. Um, and I still record bands, but I, you know, I was not really having much fun doing it. I mean, I, certain, I, some bands, of course, yeah, certain projects are great. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like so much, you know? Yeah. And I'm just not very good at, um, <laughs> trying to like, <laughs> right. I don't know. Invoke creativity when it's or like i'm not very good at saying like that was really good could you do it again right you know like and in the back of my mind being like god i can't wait i can't wait for this to be over i don't even know why they're recording they're not ready like i don't even know why we're here yeah you know sure and and there were times like that and i was just like what am i doing you know like this is this is this isn't fulfilling. Yeah, and I would be like, "Well, don't be such a baby. Like, you're not going to get to record and do like these amazing projects all the time. You're going to have to do this shit." And then of course, I, but um, but yeah, it just never like it never felt the times that I loved it, I loved it, mm-hmm. and the times that I didn't, I really was like, well, I don't know if I this is really what I want to do. Sure, and um. I had been so I'd been kind of building this catalog of songs and and never really had the guts to like present them as me. You, right? You know, sure. And the other guys in the band had done solo stuff, and I never. I know you. It's always funny. I never be- did. Yeah, because you were- I was just like, 
Yeah. I'm the guy that would write stuff and just be like, oh, this sucks. And throw it away, you know? <laughs> but well, I'll, I'll be honest. I like, I consumed almost every single one of the side projects that, uh, you know, all of the other members did. Yeah. And, um, you know, very, very few of them were, uh, home runs in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not like no slide against them, but it was just, I was like, oh, okay. Eh, yeah. So yeah, you could have done that. Yeah. And I could, I could have thought the same thing. I'm just gonna- <laughs> No, yeah. I just never, uh, yeah, yeah. I never felt confident enough to do it. And I was just like, Sure. I was um, envious that those guys could do that. I was Mm -hmm. like, that's pretty, like, ballsy to put yourself out there like that. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, Yeah, so, like, you could could obviously do the compositions and you would create everything, but then the last step of putting it public, you just... Yeah, it was just like... Was it, like, a... Was it it a fear thing? Fear of rejection. Okay. You know, like, people just being like, whoa. This sucks. He's good in ISIS, or he's a good drummer, but his music's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like... Sure, sure. Uh, so I don't know my ego, I guess. Yeah, and, fair enough. And, uh, or just not having the, um, yeah, just not having the, the, the confidence to, and, and con- you know, confidence to do it. And then I was just, you know, I, I talked to some friends that were doing composing work and, and I have a friend who was an editor on a show called Banshee mm-hmm. and he was listening to some of my stuff I'd played for him and, and he was like, your stuff sounds kind of like what we what use, I should use the music and Banshee. Yeah. Like, and they actually have a library and these guys are called methodic doubt. You should get in touch with them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? Okay. And I looked them up and like, I knew immediately it's really weird. I, I looked at their website. I looked at, listened to some of their music and I was like, Holy shit. I get this. Yeah. I think these guys might get what I do. Right. You know, like, the other music libraries I had looked at were like very, very like hybrid driven and, and very like fantasy and like big epic, uh, just like corny shit that I was like, I don't want to, this is not. Right, right. Here, here, I'm adding the 19th layer of trumpets on this yeah, thing. Yeah, like I'm not sure. a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, that's not my I'm back. Not a fantasy, like. No, kinda, no, no composer and, and and when i found these guys they were like guitar driven had a, like a rock edge to them mm-hmm. it was a heaviness there was some weight to what they were doing and i was like oh whoa yeah i feel this i i think i could <laughs> I, i'm like gonna like take a leap of faith and send these guys some music and like pray that they listen to it sure and they wrote me back and they were like hey yeah we like this. What's up, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Hey, what's up?" <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> "You know, let's let's do this. What do you got? Send us some more stuff." And it just kind of evolved, and um, now here I am, and and it all worked out great, and I'm really happy to be with these guys. And that's and, awesome. And, and Is there two? Uh, how many people you're working with from that perspective? There's four of us in the in collective, the, in the main collective. Sure we have a few guys who work in the office and we have a few composers who write for us, uh, on a freelance basis, yeah, sort of. Basically. Sure. Sure. Uh, two of the guys are in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Me and another guy are down here. Nice. And it's awesome. We see eye to eye. We, uh, kind of all come from the same musical background. That's cool. Grow up listening to the same stuff. So they all come from like the band world and stuff like that. Yeah. As well? Like those guys are fans of, Mogwai and, and nice and uh, Godspeed and it's like, great, you know, into really cool films and cool scores and 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 yeah, just like I, I I couldn't have found a better group of 
people to get involved with. That's so cool. Super, yeah, yeah. Got super lucky. Sure. And they were aware of me and my career, and so they were like, um, "It's a good match. Come on yeah. board. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, no, that's rad. And yeah, so well, because yeah, so many people have the vision. Uh, I mean, it's like there could be not a, a, a more logical step that a person like you could take, where it's just like, oh yeah, like ice music, cinematic in nature. Yeah, it's like of course, like yeah. why? And, that, and so many people <clears throat> that have the you know that have played in those sort of bands as their band starts to, you know, fade down, like they do have that notion, like, you know, one or two of the members are like, Oh yeah, I can do like, you know, composing stuff. And it's like, but then, yeah, it's very, you know, it's even larger, you know, a larger wall to scale than like, you know, starting a band and playing like, you know, your local all ages venue. It's like, how, what the monolith that is Hollywood. Like, what do I, where do I, where do I go from there? Yeah. 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 It's, 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 um, it's, it's a really weird competitive world. Sure. Some for some reason, yeah, you've been able to find your pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> uh, the last thing I want to hit on was the, um, you know, I mean, clearly, ISIS as a band name now means something completely different than when you guys started, and so it's 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 one of those things like, you know, as uh, as the name, I mean, like you you literally can't even it, 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 the band name is ungoogleable. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it's I mean, it, it's googleable in the sense of you know you have to put you know ISIS the band or whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, is, is it one of those things where you guys, I mean, uh, you clearly you have no choice in the matter. It's not like you can do anything to like claim the band name back, you know, <laughs> but yeah, but like, it's just been, you know, I, I'm sure in certain respects it was, you know, depressing to be, I mean, not only associated with it, but just kind of watch this thing where it's like, well, that's, uh, that's, that's gone from us now. Yeah. Yeah. The, for a while it, it really, yeah, it was hard. It made me angry. It, right. You couldn't go anywhere without hearing the name or like walk by um, the TV and you'd hear you know, somebody say it on television. It just really like so strange, to, you know, because it's a word that I, it's almost like a, like someone says your name, you turn and you're like, are they talking to me? Yeah. But when you hear your band name all the time, it's mm-hmm. sort of the same thing. You're like, Wait, somebody what? talking about me my band what yeah totally and for, and then you know and then for it to be associated with such an awful thing of you course know? and and it's like you know i joke about this it's like i remember when anthrax had the anthrax attacks and it was like yeah and that sucks for those guys yeah yeah <laughs> i doubt it can get any worse for a band yeah and oh. then like years <laughs> later like the worst thing in the world decides to call yeah itself isis right um they obviously just did not do their Google research before. Yeah. <laughs> it, it got really crazy. Like, um, you know, we we would get like death threats. And I can imagine. People writing us on Facebook, like, I'm going to fucking kill you guys. Who sure. you think you are? Like, you know, just, I mean, you're complete innocent. By, yeah. You're yeah. innocent bystanders of this thing. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I imagine people had such visceral reactions that it was like, yeah. You know, where it's like, we're not going to, you know, like most bands would have the, 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 you know, uh, the, the visibility of like, oh, like, you know, yeah, like we're not a band, but like, you know, we'll still sell merch and like, we'll still do that sort of stuff. And it's like, you know, that, that a lot yeah. of that stuff gets wiped away for you guys. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, there was like a, a Canadian news channel that was using our logo in, in pieces about the Sonic State. And, and I remember like writing them and being like, Hey, Don't, we're that is do not your the, fucking research. Like totally, that's, that's yeah, that's fucked up. You yeah, just need to like look at you know fact check this shit before you 
put that out there. And, um, and then like the, the word started getting around and, um, mm-hmm. uh, John, the John Stewart show contacted yeah. us and we're like, Hey, we want to have you on air on the show to talk about this. And, uh, I remember talking with our publicist, Monica yep. and the band and my wife and like, just trying to figure out like, how do we navigate this? Cause this is really bad. Like this keeps getting bigger and bigger. Totally. And I don't want this to get back to the, the actual organization. Of course. You know, like, and, um, we, I, I, we wrote the John Stewart show and we're like, Hey, please. We're like, getting away from a this. Very sensitive topic right. for us right now. We really appreciate it. We're huge fans of the show, but like any other time we would love to come on, but we would really appreciate it if you guys didn't talk about this because it's actually like a, a safety issue. Yeah, we're straight up concerned. Yeah. Yeah, for and, sure. And um, we're going to have to pass, and we hope that you'll please like Be take this seriously. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, totally, totally understand. It Luckily, it fizzled out. That's and, good, yeah, yeah. And, um, I can't even... Just thinking about it now, I can't even imagine. Like, I mean, if you got like, if both, uh, you know, your band's existence and you know the terrorist organization were existing, roughly. I mean, yes, we seed, were touring at the same yeah. right. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you know, obviously, you guys would you know have to change your band name and do all this. Other, but like, I can, I can't imagine how uh, you know as as traumatic as it was after the band had you know quote unquote died. But like, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. Me neither. I. I I'm just, yeah, I remember thinking like, thankfully we broke up. Right. You know, (laughs) totally. Because thankfully we don't have to navigate this on top of like, you know, turning, turning down the slipknot tour, like, you know, doing all these other things where it's just like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even know where to begin. Yeah. And like, even now, like, you know, I tell people that when, when I meet people, they're like, you know, ask questions or like, are you Mm -hmm. in a band? What band were you in? It's like, well, we were called ISIS. Yeah. And they're like, ooh. Yeah. You're that's like, a bad name. And I'm like, like yeah. That, it wasn't no at the, shit. It yeah, was, it wasn't at the time. But yeah. we split up in 2010. And yeah. <laughs> this was before that, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we weren't naming ourselves after them. Yeah. Like this was before <laughs> all that happened. Yeah. 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 No, I just, I, I hadn't like, you, you know, there's, there's, uh, I just hadn't seen, you know, a, a really not documented, but you know, you guys being able to kind of have the space to speak about that yeah. in a way that isn't just like, you know, sound bitey or whatever, where yeah. it's just like, Oh, we're looking for the, you know, how does it feel to be named after terrorist organization? It's <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, like that's not, you know, but it's like, it is something that, you know, you guys have had to reconcile with. And like, you know, from a legacy perspective where it's just like, Oh yeah, we're ISIS the band. And I mean, I did think like you got obviously calling yourself celestial for the, you know, Caleb show that's coming up. Yeah. Um, it's like that, you know, that I was like, Oh, that's a very logical. Yeah. When we talked about doing that, it was like, I don't, I don't, I mean, it's hard to know. It's hard to know if that would go over well. Yeah. It was hard to know if people would have issue with it. Right. I mean, it would be out there in public and people would see it that don't know who we are and maybe, get upset or like there's yeah. crazy people in the world now there are yeah, I yeah. Mean, there always has been but like things seem to be exceptionally crazy lately <laughs> totally and like and the last thing you wanted to do especially for a show of this nature is have you you and the band be the center of attention yeah of I, that's another thing we we're like this isn't even this isn't about us no it's just like <laughs> yeah. use a name that fans will understand totally 
And you just put the mosquito logo and like people they're like, that's all. We yeah. Do. We toyed with some ideas. You I'm know, sure. I'm and, sure. <laughs> and, and celestial seemed to be the least like, you know, other bands have taken our album names, you know, like, absolutely. And so it was like, ah, yeah. What are we going to do? Yeah. You're like, you're like what are, yeah. What are, what are we going to call ourselves? About celestial. Yeah, exactly. You're like, that's the, that's the, uh, I mean the literal lesser of two evils. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. Well, uh, dude, thank you so much for hanging out. This has been yeah. super fun. I really appreciate Thanks you for having me. Yeah. I really appreciate you uh, going over all this stuff. Oh boy. Was that Aaron or what? Right. Was that Aaron or what? <laughs> I never know what to say in these outros, like just kind of segueing in from one, one to the other. But uh, thank you very much, Aaron, for coming on the show. Thank you very much, Monica, for hooking this up. I appreciate that and connecting us in the first place. And um, yeah, I just, uh, I just love that discussion, especially when he was talking about like some of the uh, things that they turned down because ISIS was one of those rare bands where you know they actually had a large fan base. And they appealed to kind of, you know, the artists, artists when it comes to certain bands, especially like, I mean, Tool, you know, they, they toured with Tool and they played a lot of shows with them, but it's like they infiltrated a lot of um, interesting circles where bands who are just like, yeah, I, I love ISIS. I would love to tour with them um, that you wouldn't typically expect. So it was really cool. And I appreciate him sharing that information. So what do we got next week? We have a big one indeed. And that is... Misha Mansour. He is from Periphery and he also runs a record label called Three Dot. He does a lot of awesome stuff and uh, he's existed in my periphery. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Sorry. He's existed in my periphery for quite some time and uh, finally I was able to make it happen and I, I, I'm stoked to bring that to you next week. So that's what we got. Please be safe the rest of this week and enjoy the time with whatever you're doing, having a good September. Okay. I'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Hi, I'm Esther Dean. I've made my life by writing songs like Fireworks by Katy Perry, Super Bass by Nicki Minaj, What's My Name by Rihanna, just to name a few. And now I'm having an absolute blast sharing some of the knowledge that I've learned with upcoming songwriters on Songland on NBC. I'm excited to welcome you to a brand new season of Songland and Songland's podcast, giving you new insight into the magical art of songwriting as told by some of the best in the business and also the pioneers and the up-and-comers who will be shaping the hits you'll be listening to for years. We have an amazing roster of talent this season. I promise you, you don't want to miss one single episode. Don't miss Songland, Monday nights at 10, 9 central, and join us here on Songland's podcast, available every week after the show on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. 
my simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> Ooh. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B.